Welcome to Healthcare is Human, a monthly podcast featuring authentic storytelling and healthcare with your host, Dr. Ryan McCarthy. Welcome to Healthcare is Human. Uh, I'm going to have my guest go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. John Hughes. John, here we are in uh, Martinsburg, uh, West Virginia. And I'm looking at a USS Chicago hat. We're going to get to that. Um, I see the Valhalla Project uh, shirt. And I'm looking here. It says, in my darkest hour when I needed a hand, I found a paw. I suspect we're probably going to talk about that as well. Um, But give our listeners, um, how would you describe yourself? Retired um, from... uh the counseling field, worked 30 years uh, doing therapy on uh, families, uh, children, and um, worked with victims, worked with uh, perpetrators, substance abuse. I've done a lot of different different things. Also worked with the Department of Social Services in North Carolina and uh, was an investigator and went in you know, uh, looking for abuse and working with the families to create a safe environment for children to live in. Holy cow. I am so glad uh, that we have bumped into each other. You describe a lot of things there to potentially unpack. Um, So you say you're retired um, and you mentioned counseling. Boy, I got, uh, having lived through the COVID-19 pandemic, I have uh, a new appreciation for my own mental health, the mental health of others. Um, with your experience, with your knowledge, and when you think about living through a pandemic, at the beginning of it, as we started and life got upended and things were canceled and shut down, what were your biggest mental health concerns? And I'll let you describe whether it was you, your family, your community. Sure. Um, in 2019, I was diagnosed with, uh, mental cell lymphoma stage four and i had uh six months of chemo went into remission and did a bone marrow transplant uh, an auto my own cells and that was done on january the 6th 2020 and and so i was inpatient hospital in uh, Chapel Hill, and I was watching all of this uh, transpire from China and watching it, and I was so fragile. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. So there you are. You're in Chapel Hill. Now, in my life, um, I've described that week, the first week of January, my description is I got off the Christmas couch. So, you know, primary care doctor, I try to relax over the holidays with my family. I turn off my phone. I don't pay attention. I, I knew what was going on, but I, you know, I, I took a break over Christmas. So January, that first week, I got off the Christmas couch and I started paying attention and I started tracking what was going on in Wuhan. And then suddenly, oh my gosh, as a primary care doctor, the next two months for me were basically watching this organism you know, start to appear in other countries, and then it becomes a, a threat, okay? But there you are, 
you know, in healthcare, we say you got a BMT, a bone marrow transplant. You could not have been more susceptible. You were in a hospital. I can't even imagine what that was like. Um, traumatic. Um, yeah, I had my family, um, and when when I got out of the hospital, I had to stay at uh, the SECU family house, which was like Ronald McDonald except for adults. And, and um, you know, I ate all my meals in the room. My wife would go down and get the meals and bring them up. I didn't go out. I didn't associate with anyone that I didn't have to. And I remember uh, when I got released, I was so weak, I was walking on a cane. And uh, my wife took me home and I sat on the couch and uh, I pretty much remained on that couch for almost a year, you know, other than get my meals. Uh, we had uh, three dogs at the time and the dogs were my companions. Uh, my wife was a school teacher and when she started working, we had lots of concerns about COVID and possibility of her bringing COVID in from the, from the schools. Um, so not only was it traumatic, but it was filled with fear for me. So um, when did you get out of the hospital? You get, you get your transplant and then you're released when? Uh, February 1st or 2nd, somewhere in there. Okay, so February 1st. So... 2020. So at that point, the World Health Organization had named COVID-19 the organism. Um, you know, obviously there were emergency plans coming here, uh, going all throughout West Virginia and America about what this was, this was going to arrive. Now, in a bone marrow transplant, it's success just to get out of the hospital, obviously, because there's a lot of things that could happen there. Uh, but then, obviously, that's just the beginning of a fraught and frail and difficult journey. And you were released, if you will, into the wild into a global pandemic. Take us there. I, I had to go um, every two weeks to have my blood checked at my oncologist. Uh, and it was frightening. Uh, just, just being in the car going and seeing other people uh, was was frightening my my wife and son did all the shopping and they would come home and describe to me how sam's club had changed what they were doing and how things were different and so a year later when i went to sam's club i said oh my god you guys were right you know they don't even sell cigarettes here anymore yeah you, you know i mean a lot of things had changed throughout the, the, the COVID. Uh, my biggest issue was when our, when our then president uh, made all kinds of comments that seemed asinine to an educated person, myself, 
a and people would ho I've been hollered at because I wore a mask. You know, uh, the problem with that is I'm going to survive. And, 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 and so if you come take my mask off, I'm going to whoop your ass. I'm just sorry. Uh, I, I don't think you need to apologize. And uh, of all the people that we've interviewed, all right, Molly, our photographer, is, is kind of clapping her hands, and I'm nodding my head. Of all the people that we have talked to, we, you're, the first, you're the first bone marrow transplant survivor um, in the timing of the pandemic. I'm so glad we've met today because if I, and I, you know, just based on your age and all these other things, if there was anybody who had a right to be just pissed off on all fronts of somebody telling you not to wear a mask. It is you, sir. Absolutely. And not only that, but, but I have two sons, 27 and 33, and they went through the same thing. And they were like, uh, look here. And they weren't nice. Uh, my dad can die from this. We will wear a mask. And, and if you want to be my friend, you will wear a mask. I mean, we really had set limits for all of our friends about what our expectations were right and clearly you had to do that and so there you are you're being safe you're being smart you're not overreacting so i can imagine that there were people in your circle in your community who probably thought that that was an overreaction but there you you were in the most vulnerable state possible i i totally get it you know as a doctor i i'm just thrilled that you're here um, two and a half years later, because I could, I can think of 45 things that could have happened <laughs> at the beginning of COVID. Absolutely. Uh, I was so fragile. I don't even know how to explain it, except I had a, I have a friend and she also had this and, and she refers to the bone, bone marrow transplant as getting a lethal dose of chemo. And if you think about that, it destroys all your bone marrow. And so you're not producing white cells, red cells, <laughs> or anything for a period of time until those cells uh, adhere to, to, to the walls of your bone again. Right, so there's a period of time where you had no immune system at all. Absolutely. None at all. And, and, and it's... It, scary uh i was in fear for a long time and i still am fearful i have done all the right things by recommendations my my hematologist recommended that i take the evu shield uh which boosts your uh immune system uh your antigens uh which is really important so i've tried to do everything I can do for myself to survive this monster. I, I think monster is a fair description. And, uh, you know, monsters things that uh, something that frightens us. And I've been frightened by this pandemic and I, I worked in it. And um, part of what inspired this project is to find stories just like yours. And to switch gears for a second, um, some of the stuff that you're wearing here, you want to you want to tell me some of these things that you got on and what they might mean to you? Sure. Uh, my hat is uh, the USS Chicago. It was a guided missile cruiser. I was on board from 1972 to 75 uh, at the end of Vietnam and the beginning of the Cold War, and we were tr chasing Russians. 
uh, out in the Indian Ocean. Uh, and uh, it was not exactly a fun time because during that time people didn't like folks in the military because of Vietnam. And, and, and so, uh, but I'm proud to have served. And this uh, T-shirt, Valhalla Project, uh, these guys sell T-shirts and they uh, uh, take the proceeds and buy plaques for servicemen who die for the families. Uh, they call them fallen warriors. And of course, I have this one of pets and uh, one of the only, you know, I had family, but my dogs were also my support system. When my family was not there, uh, they would coil up beside me. They're big dogs. And, uh, you know, uh, just gave me strength to get through uh, the pandemic. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So I, I'm a dog lover. And, um, you know, this morning I, I walked my dog, Trixie. Um, you know, but I wasn't I wasn't locked up in my house like you were, um, you know, kind of cloistered away. You know, um, how did your relationship with with those dogs change? You know, uh, we we know how wonderful they are, but take us into that pandemic where, you know, they were with you. Did did your relationship change with them at all? Um, I had two older dogs, and then I had my son's dog, which was. Uh, he was younger at the time, and uh, I think the relationship stayed the same with the older dogs because they slept a lot, but his dog uh, became my protector. Uh, he would come and lay beside me, and if anything went on, he would growl, and, and he, he basically just took care of me, and... Uh, He's now living with me, and, and and he, you know, he wants to follow me around and and be there for me, and uh, just a just a wonderful relationship. So there you were. You're at home. You're stuck inside. You're vulnerable. How good did it feel to have an animal that was just devoted to your welfare? Really good. Uh, you might say out of this world. Uh, just having. A living organism that uh, gives you unconditional love no matter what's going on they're just there you know at the same time you are giving them unconditional love so it kept me busy you know doing little things like putting food in the bowl putting water in the bowl I couldn't do a lot but those were the things that I could do you know that particular dog's name, oh, what's their name? Avalanche. All right, so there you are, Karen for Avalanche. You're doing those things. You're feeling good about taking care of Avalanche. Avalanche is, is taking care of you. I've been reflecting recently on some of the things I did early in the pandemic to kind of calm the terror inside of me. Um, and I can imagine that, you know, sitting there and having a big dog that just kind of stroke and pet a dog that's not going to give you bullshit about a mask or, uh, you know, not going to complain about yesterday. Um, boy, I bet, I bet that meant everything. It did. Uh, yeah, I look back on that and, uh, like I said, I, I couldn't have made it through it with, with, 
without that, uh, without having some kind of companionship because the fear factor was, you know, zero to 10. It was, you know, most days it was eight and a half, nine. Is somebody gonna bring it in the house or am I gonna go out to a doctor's appointment and get it, you know? I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to uh, Healthcare is Human. Any, uh, any final thoughts uh, for our listeners? I'm a survivor. And I would say uh, whatever comes down the road, uh, survival is possible. Uh, cancer, bone marrow transplant, COVID. Uh, so far I have made it through without catching COVID. Uh, I've done all those things that were recommended. Um, and I would just say, whatever life throws at you, uh, hunker down. And, and most of all, I want to thank you for being a doctor uh, because you have to trust your doctors through that process. And, and uh, I, I think that's, that would be the big takeaway is trust your doctors. Whatever they say, uh, they're doing it for your best interest. You've been listening to Healthcare is Human. You've been listening to Healthcare is Human. Stories from the healthcare ecosystem. Ideas to change our health culture. This project was created by Ryan McCarthy. It was inspired by the hardworking staff of the Berkeley Medical Center. Be sure to check out the Healthcare is Human Facebook page to see amazing photographs by Molly Humphreys of Shepherdstown, West Virginia. You can find Molly's world-class portfolio by searching for Piccadilly Posh. Original music is by Isaac McCarthy, the one-man band. Kim Mattioli engineers the podcast. Some of our stories are featured in 100 Days in Appalachia. Check them out online at 100daysinappalachia.com. This project is supported by a grant from the West Virginia Humanities Council. Thanks to the Reed College of Media at our Mountain Mama, West Virginia University. Mountaineers, go first. And remember, the next time you go to the hospital, a clinic, and urgent care, be sure to keep in mind that healthcare, healthcare is, is human. human.